Despite efforts to undermine the presence of black people throughout history, it's important to understand the diverse histories and lived experiences of black people in societies across the world, Britain included. In this podcast, we will be exploring the lives of black people in pre-colonial Britain, looking at examples uncovered from Roman and Tudor Britain, and what their lives can tell us about pre-colonial conditions for black people, as well as what it can tell us about the world today. First, some key words we'll come across in this episode that will be great for you to use in your own research. Perhaps you already can define them. Let's see. Colonialism. Colonialism is the policy or practice of acquiring full or partial political control over a country or region. This includes occupying it with settlers and exploiting both place and its people economically for the colonizer's gain. An example of this could be the British Empire, which had colonies across the world, including the Caribbean, Singapore, India and across Africa. Another term we'll come across is maritime. Sound familiar? Maritime is a term connected to sea travel, especially seaborne trade or naval matters. And finally, another term we'll use is globalisation or globalised, meaning to make a system or company operate and spread internationally across the globe. An example of this could be companies outsourcing workers in other countries. When you look in your clothing labels or fruit and veg, where does it say these items came from? How easily were you able to access and buy them despite the great distance they have travelled? Let's look at how these terms, colonialism, maritime and globalisation, connect with the lives of black people in pre-colonial Britain. It's fair to say the world we live in today is extremely globalised. Technology, ease of movement and travel make that clear. The things that have contributed to globalisation evolve throughout history. However, we've always lived in an interconnected world and movement of people across land and sea have allowed for this. If anything, the reasons for movement and migration have and continue to drastically change. To understand the different lifestyles of black people in Britain before colonial enslavement, let's first think back to Roman Britain. The people of the British Isles and the people of Africa met for the first time when Britain was part of Rome's multi-ethnic and multi-racial empire. Roman citizens who settled in Britain included people from the Roman Empire's African provinces. Afro-Romans arrived in Britain during the 3rd century AD, well over a thousand years before the first English sailors reached Africa in the 16th century. We know about one group of Afro-Romans due to evidence first appearing in 1934 on the banks of the River Eden in Cumbria an altar stone carved with an inscription to the god Jupiter. It was written in Latin and recorded a unit of the Roman Empire from North Africa, known as the Aurelian Moors, named in honour of Emperor Marcus Aurelius. A Roman register also records this same group as making an official visit to the region and links them to Hadrian's Wall. In recent years, archaeology has developed and shined a light on the presence of people of African descent in Roman Britain. The ivory bangle lady is one of the most significant individuals to be discovered. 
discovered in 1901 in a stone grave at a site near Sycamore Terrace in York, the ivory bangle lady and her grave tell us some fascinating things about her life. An inscription on bone translates to, Hail sister, you may live in God, and suggests she may have been Christian. In her grave were a number of expensive goods, blue glass beads, bracelets, silver and bronze lockets, earrings, a mirror and a blue glass perfume bottle. These objects suggest she was a woman of high status. Further studies on her skull and skeleton suggest that this high status citizen of Roman York was likely to have been mixed race, of North African descent. The movement and mobility of the Roman Empire may have meant that Roman York could have been more ethnically and racially diverse than parts of York today. In this next segment, we are considering the 1400s to the 1700s, with a particular focus on the Tudor era from 1485 to 1603, prior to the Atlantic slave trade. At the start of the 15th century, around 30 generations after the fall of Rome, Europeans still had not begun travelling to the African coastlines. By the 16th century, the Portuguese mariners built up on Islamic learning, such as tools for navigation, books on astronomy and maths, that helped them to advance their explorations. This marked the beginning of Europe entering the global trade system that had existed between Africa, Asia and the Middle East for centuries. Britain's global relationships brought them right into contact with black people, especially due to the contact between Britain and the Iberian Peninsula, consisting of Spain and Portugal, which sit geographically closer to Africa. As mentioned, the Portuguese naval pursuits began a lot earlier than Britain's. From your knowledge, why do you think Britain and Europe in general were interested in trading with Africa? What resources and raw materials originate from the continent? Can you think of any that we rely on in society today? How and when did maritime trade develop into larger colonial pursuits from Britain and Europe? Let's think about lifestyles and livelihoods of early black Britons. What do you think determined lifestyle at a time when the peasant class of the era consisted of black and white people alike? Domestic work and servitude, being a slave, often assumes the traditional understanding of how black people have made their livelihood. But early recordings of manumitted black people show they were part of many different aspects of society, some with more autonomy than others. During the reign of monarch Henry VII, a certain Pedro's freedom was recognised by the Portuguese monarch. Similarly, a man named Francis Unigro appears in tax records as a royal stablehand during the reign of Henry VIII. A well-known black figure of Tudor Britain is John Blanc, who came to England as an attendee to Spanish royal Catherine of Aragon. Blanc was a trumpeteer in the royal court and famously paid at the coronation of Henry VIII. This marks another fad of black entertainers in history. John Blanc was registered as a married man who received a violet gown and hat from King Henry VIII as a wedding gift. As well as this, in 1509, John Blanc petitioned for a raise and promotion within the royal court, 
in a carefully worded letter. His image can be found twice on the Westminster Tournament Roll of 1511 in the Royal College of Arts. His double appearance signifies a level of importance to the procession and wider Tudor society. Let's take a moment to think about what we've just learnt about John Blanc, the ivory bangle lady and the global trade system spanning land and sea that connected Europe to the already connected Africa, Asia and Middle East. Think about the perceptions and assumptions made about black people in Britain and across the globe today. And what can these case studies tell us about black people in pre-colonial Britain? What do these case studies tell us about the relationship between status, financial and social freedom? How did sea travel and maritime trade contribute to the presence of black people in Britain? Were there any terms in this session that were new to you? Why not write them down and research their meanings? If you want an extra challenge, why not spend some time researching other examples that give evidence to the presence of black people in pre-colonial Britain? Create a short case study and profile. You could research the life of George Africanus or the significance of the Mary Rose ship. How do these examples show the varied levels of status, influence and legacy of early black Britons? <laughs>